0: Should Christians watch the Super Bowl? Should Christians spank their children? Should men peruse their wives? <laughs> These are some of the questions that we received. Plus, more in it, there are some that are in addition to those questions, too, that we're going to be answering uh, in today's episode. Folks, thank you all so much for being a part of the Now That We're a Community, whatever capacity that is. We find so much encouragement from those of you that are in the Growth Initiative and the Get It All Done Club. If you are a VoteBurg Music Academy parent or student, we love being able to build out this community. Though much of it is online, we are starting to meet some of more of you in person, which is quite the treat. And so thank you for uh, encouraging us in our journey as Christians and as parents, as a married couple. Uh, life is a journey. It really is. And it's so, it can be so enjoyable and so encouraging when you're with like-minded people. And we've found that in so many of you. So thank you so much for being an encouragement to us. We hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Let's get this thing going.
1: The Now That We're a Family. So before we start today's episode, I just have to tell you guys about the Get It All Done Clubhouse. We have a lot of new things happening in 2024 across all of our communities, but one of those is that in the clubhouse, you currently have access to all the old content that has been there. There's over 60 videos, but something we're doing that's really fun is I'm releasing two new mini series that we're working through in the Get It All Done Clubhouse, which is our community. Um, monthly. And so those are open for the month and then they close and we move on to the next two. And so we're all on the same track and that's been really, really enjoyable. Our first two in January were on your foundational threshold and how to not drown when things get harder in your life. So you have your you know, basic level of living. And then all of a sudden something shifts, like you get pregnant or you're going through a postpartum or you have a job change or a move. And all of a sudden you sink. How do we avoid that? How do we keep functioning at a high level when those things happen, but still have the, have the freedom to ease up on ourselves and make our loads lighter. So that mini course, it was so popular that mini series I'm keeping it open for February. So if you join us in February, you're able to still see the foundational threshold in the mini series. You're also able to go through, I closed out the foundational pantry, we're done with that. But in February, if you join us this month, you'll also be able to go over our mini series on fi- fighting, whining, and bickering children and work through that together in the club. Got a lot of fun stuff to help you with that. And let's see, what's the other one? Oh, the other one we're going through is creating your external brain. I find that I need to keep everything. I have a digital external brain and a physical external brain. And this month we are going through the digital one. Next month we will be going through the physical one. So, anyways, come join us at the Get It All Done Club and join us in the clubhouse. Sorry, right. that was a really long, really long spiel. Well, but okay. I just want to let people know because they close. Let me move on to the next thing. Well, how
0: about this, Katie? We'll just jump into the Q&A because I have a question that's kind of, re- I mean, it could be relevant to everything you just talked about.
1: Okay, perfect. Let's go.
0: Yeah. This question, this listener asks this question. Okay. How do you avoid keeping score in marriage when you are both feeling perpetually burnt out?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
0: It is. There's a couple, I mean, do you want to answer it? No, you go ahead. No, yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm the one that asked you. I answer. I. I asked it so that I didn't have to answer.
1: (laughs) Well, I think that the first thing that comes to mind is... It's really hard, even the most well-meaning spouses can fall into the trap of keeping score when you're both burnt out. Mm -hmm. When you're just wiped, it's really hard to have a lot of grace for the other person. Now, are we called to that as Christians? Do the most mature marriages still go beyond that breaking and loving their spouse? Yes, but it's very hard to do. And so something that Elisha and I have done, at least I would say to this, is um, give each other time to... Um, refresh and recharge and renew. Yeah, I think this that, isn't something I speak to on the club specifically. Oh, uh, well, I was <laughs> I talking. Don't know. It's funny. The reason I, don't I know thought how I'm was... supposed to answer this question in, in light no, of that. Sorry,
0: you didn't, you didn't let me down if that's what you were wondering. <laughs> okay. but, but what I thought you were going to speak to was the perpetually burnt out portion of it. Because I feel like there's like two parts to the question. Yeah. One is, is there ever a time, a good time to like, well, they're asking, you know, keeping score in a marriage. Like, how do you avoid keeping score? Keep from. Uh, keeping score and th- keeping from getting burnt out is like I feel like a a, a key in thing that the, that the Get It All Done Club offers. And adding rest to the home, adding margin to your life, yeah. and like you said, there are times where, like you said, the, the bandwidth is used up. There is no margin. We've done episodes on that, like zero margin marriage, and it you don't you do sometimes you know results and and I guess fall back to keeping score saying, boy, you know, I was with the kids this many hours and you were on the couch or whatever. You're, you're being petty with each other. And that's always discouraging in a marriage. But I do think that, like you said, I know this is like the most basic marriage advice ever, but as much, as long as you can remember that you're on the same team, like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're fatigued. I'm pretty, we're, we're fatigued. So if you getting re- you getting rest is a win for me. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point you or me, has to be the one this is what's happened is we've taken that 100% mindset. And we're like, wait a second, you know, Katie getting a free day is a win for me, mm-hmm. like that might seem like the hardest day ever for me because of how I Diana, I feel like, you know, the kids are on my last nerve, and I'm not sleeping well, or my health is, you know, on, on the breaking point. But that has always resulted in a win for the entire home, when you're able to take that kind of leadership. And again, I, I encourage men to do this in the growth initiative all the time because it's such a blessing to the home when you're like, man, I'm feeling wiped. My wife's feeling wiped. It's like, well, yeah, like take that extra step and give her bandwidth, give her margin. Because I, I will tell you what, there is nothing more energy infusing into the home than like a well-rested mother. Or like when you're well-rested and, and, you likewise, got, yeah. and, and you've got energy to give, you've got creativity, you've got spunk. Um, that is the best I love living life that way. And so if I can facilitate that for you or if I can create the likelihood of that, you know, happening to if I can make that likelihood greater, then I want to do that. And it might seem like a short term sacrifice, but it's a long term win.
1: I think something that you brought up is identifying the fact that you're on the same team. So going to your spouse and being like, Hey, I'm keeping score on our marriage. I feel like we both are because we're both just wiped. I would like to overextend myself for you to be able to go get a free day. I'm wiped, but I really want you to get recharged. And then, you know, maybe I can do that. But like communicate why, I think it's helpful for both spouses to understand like we're on the same team when it comes to the overextension too. Because if there's no communication, then we can feel every day like we're overextending ourselves for our spouse. And then we start to keep track and be like, they're not doing the same thing for me. Does that make sense? So like if Elisha sends me away for five hours to recharge or something, it's very clear that this is a team effort for me to recharge for the health of our family and the health of our marriage. I'm not just going to go out and squander those hours. I need to treat that very responsibly, very seriously and be like, Elisha's overextending himself here. My job is to come back refreshed and rested, not to go shopping, get on social media and fatigue myself more.
0: Yeah, Katie and I take when we're when one of us is giving the other person a free day or a free afternoon or whatever, we take that very seriously. Yeah. We're like, are my activities life-giving? Am I going to be able to come home with a more... With rejuvenated and refreshed with more energy uh we we don't treat them like they're just leisure days or they're mm-hmm. just vacation days we treat these days as refueling days and that's very we're very strict on what we eat what we read we're not on screens yeah. <laughs> it's like we're sleeping exercising reading and in eating healthy like resting truly resting and rejuvenating spending uh,
1: time in god's word Um, yeah, journaling. Yeah. Yeah. All of those activities. So we treat it very seriously on both ends, knowing that, um, we're both wiped, but one of us is going to come back with margin and hopefully be able to help dig us out of the hole that we've created for ourselves. But I do think, you know, when you were touching on the get it all done club, there's a lot of little things we can do in our day to help build margin in our day. And if you haven't seen the free masterclass and you don't want to, you know, dive into spending a large chunk of money all at one time, then we talk a lot about margin just in that free masterclass. And there's a lot of things you could take away. The link will be in the description on, on some ways to create margin in your life. But really we do that a lot in a lot of little ways. And that's what, um, there's not one thing I can point to when it comes to, um, the clubhouse, but you know, that's something that taking free days is something we do as a couple. But I do think that you have a responsibility as a woman and as a homemaker to, This is something my mom did really well and I think passed on to all us girls. Take seriously your own margin and your own self-management so that hopefully there's very few times you're totally sinking, drowning, clawing on your spouse. You're like, save me. I'm drowning because it's very hard for him to support both of you. And obviously there are seasons for that when one spouse will do that to the other. But if you've ever tried to swim with someone else holding on to you, it's often you both end up drowning. So. Yes. We want to avoid those crises if at all possible. Not to say that they don't happen sometimes.
0: Yeah, but what is crazy about just seasons of fatigue or burnout, when you are in those seasons, the thing you feel like you want to do the most is usually not life giving. No. It is usually the, that's what's so bizarre there's like, I just need to lay on the couch. I want to watch something. I want to unwind, unplug, whatever terminology you want to use. I just want to, you know, do Uber eats or whatever. Like you, you start going to all the things that, that you think are going to give you rest or give you more inspiration, motivation. And it's the opposite. And so there is this element of like making a choice to like, you know, close the computer or turn the TV off and pick up a book and you know, sit with your child and look them in the mm-hmm. eye. It's, it's bizarre how like when, when your kids and when it's like, they're on your last nerve, what you actually need to do is sit down with them, you know, get on their yeah, level, exactly. read a book with them, not just send them away, push and push and push them away. It's like, you need to go to them, get, get on their level. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Something my grandma always brought up was that verse where it mentions, I will labor into rest. Mm. And I honestly don't know the context of that verse, but it's always stuck out to me. She pointed out sometimes it's labor to rest. Mm. We have to take the first hard decision, but then our, our brain and our body thrives better on those healthier decisions and we're able to rest more. So anyways, well, sometimes that can be hard. That was
0: cool. It was cool too. Just this last week, I just thought of this uh, yeah. in the growth initiative when we were going through our wins. I think there was four different guys who's whose win for the week was getting their wife either a free day or a free afternoon to recharge. And they got to speak from personal experience of like, wow, we're how come I didn't think of this before? You know, like the, the benefit that this, that I'm now reaping because of this, our home is now so much more vibrant So there is something, too, when you view that 100%, like we are one, and if the other person gets charged up. And sorry, I'm going to use one more story before we move on. No, I think that's good. I think this is
1: a really big, big thing.
0: Stuff that I've done poorly when I've felt fatigued or wiped out is I've not communicated it. And I've assumed that Katie's fatigued and wiped out, too. And I will go, this happened pretty recently. I was like taking the kids far more than you wanted me to, or that I needed to. Cause I was like, okay, well maybe I'll take the kids while Katie's making dinner. Guys, come on, let's go kids. And we go for a walk or we go to the park. And I was taking them like more and more. And you're like, what's your deal? Like, why do you keep well, cause taking? cause the kids
1: are really on your nerve. And yeah, I didn't right. know why he kept taking the kids. Cause I kept thinking, well, I guess he wants to hang out with them. But then he'd come home and be so on edge. It was so funny.
0: And I think just having that the conversation that stemmed from that was really helpful.
1: Like you yeah. wanted me to take the kids more.
0: I thought that if you would have gotten rest, then I would have had rest. So I was like, okay, I want Katie to have a break this evening. I'm going to take the yes. kids. And you weren't asking for it. You didn't need it. You're like, I'm feeling great. Like what? Yeah. Like I love life right now. I'm got plenty of bandwidth. And I didn't know just how to ask. Like, hey, is there? Where are you at bandwidth wise? Is there? Is there a way that I could you know take a morning and go? whatever think and mm-hmm. pray or and plan an yeah. or a
1: weekend day or mm-hmm. whatever it was because yeah I mean I had a lot of dinners that evening where I was just making dinner by myself with Lionel in the house <laughs> <laughs> thinking Elisha was getting all this special time oh, with it the was. kids
0: I always love hanging out with the kids I know I but had... sometimes
1: it's exhausting on top of the already <laughs> long day. <laughs> So, yeah, that was a kind of funny miscommunication we had recently. So, yeah, communicate about it. Know what you're doing for the other spouse, and that's one way that you can be on the same team. Usually in that cycle, someone's going to have to overextend themselves, but you want to make sure that that's a worth it experience for you guys and it's a worth it investment instead of someone just doing it and the other person not knowing, and so they aren't treating that time that they're getting with a lot of serious um, intention. (laughs) Excuse me. Okay. Can I bring up one?
0: Yep. It's your turn.
1: Okay. So this person asked, can you talk about spanking? I know it is a hot topic and you better believe it's a hot topic. Every time we do a Q and a, literally every time, 50% of the questions are on spanking. Wow. Yeah. I would say you yeah, know, it's... 30, 50, whatever. I'm not like a yeah, math. I mean, coach, this current like one, that's definitely spanking, the case, but spanking, I think you're spanking, right. Spanking, it shows spanking, up a lot. Spanking, spanking. Um, In this one specifically, can you tell us your parenting strategies without, in all caps, spanking? And then other people explaining their experiences with spanking, asking how to do that, when to do that, all this stuff. So we've chosen not to speak on this topic for a couple reasons. Um, One, yeah, it is a hot topic. But two, I would really encourage you to... Go seek out in-person counsel for disciplining your children. I think this is something, so I totally get you're in a hard spot. And so you're asking these questions of us. But the truth is, is all you know about our children is that we like our children and presumably our children like us. But regardless of how we discipline in our home, you don't know the ins and outs of how that looks, whether it would be helpful for your family or if it would not be helpful for your family. And you don't know the fruit of our labor right now either, because all our children are six and seven years old. What you really want to hear from is someone who's our age saying, this is how my parents discipline me, not how necessarily I'm disciplining my kids, or someone a generation above speaking to how they... Basically, you want us testifying to how our parents disciplined us, or you want a generation above where you can see the fruit of their children and hear advice from them.
0: Yeah. In addition to people not being able to see our kids on a regular basis, not really know what the, like people know we have a blast with our kids. We love them. They are kicking the pants to us. We love our home. It's restful. Our children are obedient. They're sweet. I love the fruit of... Our labor thus far. We're mm-hmm. early in the game. Like we're just yeah. getting, we're just getting started. Um, but then, in addition to people not knowing the ins and outs of our home dynamic, we have no clue what your children are like, what your yeah. dynamics like, what your home situation is like. And I think that's the power. All of our most tangible parenting advice that we've received has been from people seeing a scenario and saying, "Hey, this is how you need to handle that." Because I think there is case-by-case scenarios. There's kid-by-kid scenarios. Yeah, there are principles and the books talk about them. There are concepts that the books speak to by people that are authoritative on the subject that have been there and they've done it and they've coached thousands of parents and they've raised God-honoring children that are obedient and well-behaved. So yes, take the concepts and the principles from the, from those people in the Christian space. Yeah. Not, not,
1: not people raising not, toddlers yeah. either. You guys, people that have 20, 30 year old married children walking with the faith, walking in the faith that have good relationships with their parents.
0: Yeah. And uh, so, so anyways, I know it's way, obviously way easier said than done finding mentors in person, but that's what you should do. Like it's hard to do that, but that's why, most parents don't like parenting is because it's hard to get good coaching for parenting you have to go out and find it you have to find older people in your church the the women to mentor the mothers the men to mentor the the fathers and um yeah of course we are extremely uh we have so much luxury in our i mean in and having parents that we look to Mm -hmm. i mean weekly on this topic because of how dynamic parenting is and ever changing and kids are entering new stages I'm asking my questions, my, my parents' questions, um, on a weekly basis. I know you talk to your parents a lot about it too. And then, in addition to that, just like aunts and uncles and family that will 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 talk to us in loving ways. I mean, just like aunts, you know, at family reunions bringing a kid to us, mean like, hey, we saw your, you know, your kid did this. Yeah, like this is wasn't okay. I think you should do, you know, like basically coaching yeah, us. Yeah. And it was One from aunt somebody that saw we,
1: how I was disciplining my toddler and was like, I think you need to be a lot stricter with him. Yeah. he is he's really acting up right now and you aren't being strict enough with him. And so that was really awesome advice. And I took that to heart. I was like, you're right. And, um, yeah, she had older children that I admired. And I really think when, like, we need to be in fellowship with older people. And if we don't have anyone we can look to, then we need to change churches. Or like, like if you're in a body of believers where you can't go to a single older person that you respect and, you know, and ask them for advice, then we are in a healthy community because we need to be able to learn from these people in person. And I think really the downfall, the fallout, you know, when you listen to our gentle parenting episode, the fallout of what we're seeing with all these parents giving parenting advice at our ages on TikTok and Instagram and all this stuff is it is not tried and true and a lot of it is an attention grab and they have no clue you know they're talking about how they're gentle parents today and then three years later they're saying oh that didn't work out so well Um, and obviously if you listen to our parent our gentle parenting episode you know that being a gentle parent is good but aligning with that philosophy can be very unhelpful with parenting so anyways I just really would encourage you to seek out older people in person so you can bring them like you said your child on a case-by-case basis and don't just go to one couple potentially go to a couple couples (laughs) yeah and see what they say and kind of compare advice because different people are going to have different you know ways that they did it in their home and then you're going to kind of be able to track the common threads and see what works for you and for your family And um, I would also say go with an open heart and an open mind. If you already are closed to certain forms of discipline or you already think it's a terrible idea, then just do what you think you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't.
0: Like, why are you trying to learn? Like, Like, why (laughs) are you trying to
1: learn? Like, some of the questions we get here, I'm just like, you already have your opinion on all this stuff. So just why are you asking? You know, go with an open heart and mind if you genuinely don't feel like your parenting is as good as it can be. And you're open to ideas hmm. and open to input from other godly Christian um, parents. And I and I will also say this, if you go in guns a-blazing with your preconceived notions as to what is appropriate and what is not appropriate, then they're going to be really gun-shy and not necessarily give you honest advice. And yeah. I see this a lot with older parents that I have the privilege of being in the room with, they don't admit to how they actually parented their children. They say kind of what you want to hear because they don't want to get stabbed by some upset millennial who says that all forms of this parenting this way was abusive or something like that. You know, so just don't go in expecting to call some parent abusive or they aren't going to be honest with you, all right? (laughs) They're (laughs) loving parents, so just hands off, have an open heart, have an open mind. You can disagree with their advice, but get what they honestly did with their children and come to them telling them, I, I genuinely want to know. I mm-hmm. genuinely want to learn. Um, this doesn't have to be politically correct. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know,
0: it's crazy because you and I have spent the most time in churches in on the West Coast. Okay. So Washington, Oregon, California, now Idaho, North Idaho is like a mini Bible belt. There's um, So many amazing Bible believing conservative churches that like I'm just blown away without mm-hmm. the quality is here. But then when we are in Bend and when, when we go back and visit Bend, it's like, oh, there are awesome churches here in my hometown on the West Coast. There are amazing churches. My family played at probably over a thousand churches as a family band, not just on the West Coast. But in the middle states and, and on the east coast, and you find you get to talk to older people, people that love the Lord and that know His Word and that are obedient to it and submitted to it. And so, I guess I have a hard time ever believe. And then even Southern California, you know, you you grew up there. You and I still visit churches when we're there because we have so many friends that we connect with at churches and family members that we go to church with. And and so I I really have a hard time believing that people are giving it their all and say like, well, we can't find a good church. It's like, I just think that they're there. And, and again, I know I've been privileged to experience a ton of different churches, but then you talk about the people that are in the Get It All Done Club or the Growth Initiative communities, and they're from all over the country and, and the world. You know, they're, they're from many different countries as well. And they are finding a way to be in fellowship with mentors, with people that are like-minded, that are peers. And so, yes, it takes effort. Like, it, 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 you might have to visit 30 churches but do it like visit mm-hmm. 30 churches and then keep visiting them after that. If mm-hmm. if you aren't able to find an older woman to mentor, you know, you, if you're a woman or an older man to mentor you, um, if you, if you are, and sometimes father. you
1: can go out your, go outside of your local assembly too and meet with the church at large, um, through different women's groups or different things like that. Yeah. It's
0: just meeting one-on-one. With, That's a good point for
1: Christians. So sometimes if you really love your local body, but aren't finding that kind of support there, you, there are things outside of that. And, you know, one reason I also would just encourage just last thing to touch on this, um, that in-person thing is because so many of these things, you know, you could say spank your kids or don't spank your kids or we spank our kids or we don't spank our kids. But so much of this is a heart issue. It Disciplining children, there's a lot of wisdom involved in it. And if you didn't like the way you were disciplined as a child or you... Maybe you did, but you or you haven 't seen like good examples of this, I guess then you 're probably going to need a lot of case by case encouragement on on how to do this, and you need this consistent ongoing contact with somebody yeah it 's not just like you could hear from someone they spanked their kids, and then you go spanking your kids and <laughs> it's it 's not working out for you, yeah. you know what i 'm saying, or likewise you could hear from someone oh this this you know podcaster doesn 't spank their kids, so i 'm not going to and then it's turning into manipulation and unhealthy emotional tactics and anger and all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's all forms of discipline can be done very wrong. And so we just need um ongoing ongoing support.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of methods that maybe are valid can be done w- with the wrong heart which make it invalid. And I yes. think that oftentimes as a child that maybe is what happen- happens to us or to some people is it maybe wasn't even the method that was the problem. It was a sinful heart in the parent. You know, it was anger. It was, you know, aggression. It was whatever, you know, adrenaline. Like all sorts of crazy things. Done
1: in sin. Any form of discipline done in sin is sin against the child. Exactly. And God. So, I mean, Elisha and I, we were both spanked as kids, but our parents, the way that they went about it is so different from some of my peers that I talk to that say they would never spank their kids because they were spanked as kids. And I'm just like, wow, your whole experience growing up sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I just think that there's a lot of nuance and a lot of wisdom here. And mm. it's not something that we can just give you a straight answer on. It's just unhealthy, I think. So, anyways. Yeah, that type of. So we won't be like giving step by step child advice. For so you, child training. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, again, you can keep asking, obviously, if you'd like. But oh, yeah, I w- we sure, want but... to get more and more people that are able to speak to it directly on here, you know, when it comes yeah. to interviews. And if there's any recommendations that you guys have, we would love to hear it. Because, um, again, we love being able to share our journey. But then when we find people that are experts in a field or, or just a generation beyond us. Uh, and have that life experience, we are eager to hear from them. And so when it comes to things like parenting, especially, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we don't, we don't want to talk up to that directly a lot just because of where we're at. And, and so if there are people that we could talk to that we could interview on the podcast that we could, you know, introduce you to, or that, you know, you could recommend to us, we would love that.
1: Yeah, we really, we really would and you can ask our kids in 20 years you can ask us in 20 years yeah <laughs> we'll happily tell your children how it all went um okay do you have sure I'll go. One? Right. yeah i'll
0: ask the other one you know that i did the little teaser at the beginning should christians watch the super bowl
1: okay that's coming up
0: <laughs> it's super bowl week
1: what would you say
0: uh i mean it uh, this is just i uh, it This really, I feel like, is a conscience issue. (laughs) It's like, you really got to sort this out. Uh, I think maybe a more pertinent question should be, should Christians watch the Super Bowl halftime show? That, That probably is a more relevant question.
1: I never watched a Super Bowl in my life. You guys know, I just don't watch sports. My family didn't watch sports. The first Super Bowl party I went to was when I was 21 or 20. Um, my the year I was taking off from dating <laughs> Elisha. And I went to a Super Bowl party and had a blast and we all went out and played volleyball during the halftime show. I think it was like Katy Perry and that's all I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else. And I really, re- I really respected all the people that left and played. Obviously some people stayed inside and watched it. And,
0: and I think that is an unfortunate part about the Super Bowl because I actually enjoy football games. I've said that before. And yeah, I yeah. enjoy the playoffs a, party. a lot up until the Through the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship, I have a great time, but I haven't watched the Super Bowl in years, and I think a large part of it is just because of the the hype, because it's not just, oh, I don't watch the Super Bowl show. They're always doing, you know, they always do previews for the halftime show after, you know, before each commercial break or after each commercial break when they come back.
1: commercials too, that was the other thing. Yeah. They had like, they, not like, they had a Victoria's Secret commercial on the one that the one year I watched wow. you know and I was just like what the heck is going on like there's kids here there's like that
0: is the weird thing it's about it's just so
1: weird and it, no one was like I guess it depends on whose house you go to for the party because yeah. some people like change the channel for the commercials and some people you're just left to like their yeah, some
0: people are there for the commercials yeah and so it is yeah if I, I would not encourage I would not go to a, an event with my children with my family with myself where uh, the Super Bowls, if I don't have control, like if I don't have the remote, we're fine. We've gone or to a couple
1: parties after the halftime show. We show right. up for the second half.
0: You're a good memory. But, like
1: we will be here to hear about the deflated footballs <laughs> or <Yeah>. whatever. Nice. <laughs> the case may be, that's all I remember. I remember the drama. Um, but I think there have been a few times You're like we'll get there for the end and the hype. Yes. And that's the best part anyways. Um, I wouldn't judge anyone going to a Super Bowl party yeah, yeah, like I, like I never kids, have, but it's just not something that we go to as a family.
0: That is kind of the crazy thing with commercials in general anymore is because sports is still is like one of the last things that people watch like live, you know, mm-hmm. and where you, you and that's one of the last things that we like don't have that control over what's taking place on the commercials. I feel like most streaming services you can really, you know, filter stuff out. You can skip scenes, you can skip the ads, or you can pay more to not see any ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, live sports still is just kind of like, well, what do they want to? What do they want to show me? Yeah, it's you know?
1: just you're you're there for it. So, anyways, I know it's a great social thing. It's, but. I don't know for our family. We just feel like we've got, we're raising a lot of little boys right now. You guys mentioned that we do have a daughter. We do have a precious, beautiful daughter and, um, we would like to bring her up more, but she just doesn't cause any trouble. So, you know, what's there to talk about? Um, so anyways, we're raising obviously a daughter and sons and it's just not something we feel is, is healthy for our kids at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if, We've got invited to some Super Bowl parties, and we'll show up and and cheer. Yeah, we'll show up for the fourth quarter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's about all I can handle, too. So that's part of it. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. Actually, speaking of our daughter, Lucy, we did get a question, and we got two of them, so I thought it was worth answering. This woman says, advice for wanting to wear makeup but not wanting to influence my two-year-old daughter poorly. And this other question that goes along with it is, Katie, how did your mother instill in you and your sisters that true beauty is not about appearance? How do you plan to teach your own daughter about modesty makeup, etc.? So we did a whole episode on modesty. That'll be linked below because I don't know what episode that is. You could check it out. In regards to makeup, I do think my mom did a very, very good job of navigating that line between 90% of the time being put together. And I saw that as a gift to our family and her choosing to respect us. Um, because she didn't get just dressed up when she went to church or when people were coming over for dinner or she was running errands. She got dressed every single day as a habit. And I saw her putting on makeup, not as her trying to hide you know, who she was, but as a, I'm getting dressed for the day, I'm going to be um, at my best when I look like I care.
0: Yeah. Dressing for success. Yeah,
1: exactly. Dressing for success. And so that is the attitude behind it that she communicated to us. I think she really did a good job never talking about, you know, if she had wrinkles, if she had a skin breakout, Mm. if she had, she just didn't talk about that. And so I think sometimes we talk about what we care about. And if we're really self-absorbed with what we're doing and we're worried about how we look and, oh, we're wishing our skin was a certain way or, you know, hiding ourselves behind um, our makeup or our hair, always complaining or stuff like that. Our daughters do pick up on that. Uh, But I guess I never saw it as something As a negative thing. I saw it as I was really proud of my mom. And anytime we went somewhere or someone came to our home, I just thought, wow, my mother's beautiful. She's gracious. It it wasn't about her, I guess. Um, She got presentable for other people. And so I don't, I think all of us girls are very comfortable without makeup. You know, if anything, we kind of, um, she had to encourage us to put a little effort into our appearance because we would just, let the grease run in our hair. I've mentioned this before. You know, my dad would say, hey girls, it's time for an oil change. <laughs> we all came to the breakfast table because <laughs> in high school, you know, we just see how long we could go. <laughs> oh, nasty. <laughs> uh. It is. We were like always playing in the creek and like, you know, those like no shampoo things were really cool. And I was just like, yeah, I, I won't shampoo my hair. Who cares? We'd like get dressed for church and stuff. And so um, I really saw that. It's like, okay, I need to learn to put in effort. That's Mm. a good thing. Now for some people putting in that effort is just like doing their hair or getting dressed for the day. Um, it doesn't have to be makeup, but Lucy right now, you know, when I do my makeup, she puts on lip gloss and she loves doing that. I don't think there's anything wrong in embracing your femininity in that way. Again, I think, why are we doing it? Like, What's what is it behind what we're doing? Sure. Our actions. Um, I don't view like when I put on makeup as me. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's an unhealthy thing for mm. me mentally to put on makeup. Yeah. Do yeah. you? No. What do I, you think? No, what are your thoughts? I, I, you know? I love
0: your perspective, your heart, your motivation behind mm-hmm. getting dressed, doing doing your hair, putting makeup on, all of that. But I do think it is a good thing to consider. It really, I think it's yeah, a it great is. question. And. Even if you're comfortable with your intentions and your motive, I think it's good to go a step further and uh, you know take responsibility for how it's being communicated and how it's being received for sure. by by your children, by your daughter um, or daughters, because you because we I, I think we probably can all see it in other people very quickly where you're like wow like that that six year old girl all she talks about is like brand names you know mm-hmm. and brands and she she's very in tune to you know makeup and how she looks and st- in her in mm-hmm. fashion and again it's not it's not like the worst thing in the world but you know that comes probably f- straight from the mom you know so yeah. if she's hearing yeah. her mom only and I think that's a little different obviously talking fashion and brands and well and yeah, stuff it's like all that kind but of I in think in the same it,
1: category like what are we what are we valuing what do we place a high value on and I do think that was something that was really um discouraged in my home was fashion hmm. but dressing classic and like a lady was very encouraged Mm. and so I do think that there's a a distinction between those things because classic never goes out of style it always is classy and we want to be classy women but um fashion definitely I can see as being a big hang-up and I I go in and out of dabbling in fashion and usually when I'm in those places it's not my healthiest place Hmm. when I'm really worried about keeping up with trends and things like that it's a very consumable materialistic hobby to get into and while I don't think it's like overtly sinful or anything like that Elisha and I have talked about this we don't want someone the first thing they think or the last thing like the lasting impression that they have when they leave us is wow they were wearing this Hmm. Or they looked this way. We we want them to come away talking about what we talked about, or yeah. um, just encouraged, or seeing Christ through us. And so we can really have um, a besetting appearance. If yeah. it's just all about the appearance, you know, whether that is makeup or whether that is hair or jewelry or accessories or fashion or whatever, it can all be overdone and become about that thing instead of just an enhancement to your life. Yeah. But I am curious to see obviously how our daughter is when she's growing up. You know, I don't want her to be insecure without makeup. I think me not wearing it consistently and being comfortable is probably healthy for her. But I mean, I don't know. Do you think, cause you like when I wear makeup?
0: I think it's great. I think it, I think it is that whole dressing. We feel like you're dressing for success. I yeah. feel compelled to up my game when Cause it's like, we get up, we have our morning time, mm-hmm. wearing slippers, you know, your workout clothes, like yeah. you're doing that. And it could so easily just kind of flow into the day mm-hmm. at that point. But then I see you right when the kids are getting up, you sometimes take a shower or you just go get dressed. I'm like, Oh, that's right. Let's go. Like we're going, yeah. we're going to, we're going to be successful today. And <laughs> I mean, I'm motivated. Yeah. I'm inspired by it. Um, And so I, that's how I receive it. And I, and I think that that attitude probably on some level resonates throughout the house where it's like, okay, like, yeah, we're kicking into gear here. Um, And that that means for the kids that in their brain, I don't know what's being triggered. It's like, oh man, like we're going to be doing math. We're going to be doing, you know, reading and writing. And uh, I don't know what that is to them, but whenever I see you do it, it always inspires me to do the same thing. Um, And I think it it affects my behavior. It is crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I
1: just, I feel better, but I mean, there's definitely multiple days a week. Where it's just like I get up, the day starts, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, I see that as being a downside on my part, not like an upside of what I'm presenting to my children. Oh, sure. Does that make sense? I don't feel like those are my days when I present the best for the children. Right. It's more like, yeah, well, it happens, you know, I'm almost just hustling all day. And so yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. But I don't know. I definitely don't want um, my daughter to feel obviously like she needs anything to be beautiful I do think honestly a lot of this has to do with the fathers my father was so affirming of my mom and telling she was beautiful in any situation and so good at affirming all of us girls regardless of how we looked for the day you know minus the greasy hair uh was just so encouraging and telling us we were beautiful any time of the day, regardless of how we looked, if we had a breakout, whatever. And I always felt so secure in his love and in his affirmation. And I think that that can be very affirming for a daughter. I think we think of this conversation as a mother-daughter situation and, and surely what the mother values, the daughter will value in most cases, like you said. But I do think a lot of the insecurity or the reasons that women might want to hide or change an aspect of their body is more stemming from masculine, um, that masculine attention, mm. not getting it as a child, not feeling it from their husband, not understanding that it's between us and Christ and seeing ourselves how he views us. Um, but it's usually a masculine root.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's sobering, but it's also inspiring to hear that that was your experience growing up because I yeah. I do think it's very and I and I I don't I want to take that seriously. It's like wait a second that is my job. I want to view it like my job, not just how you feel. I want you to feel beautiful because you are. I mean that's the thing. It's this I all I have to do is say the words that I'm thinking. Like I have to just put words to my thoughts. You do, and uh, and and hopefully you'll be encouraged by those because they are definitely positive thoughts whenever I see you uh but then at the same time make an effort with Lucy as well to and st- you, to start you
1: r- do you see how she she wants to show you when she's gets dressed for church or you know what I'm saying oh yeah
0: yeah she does it's just as the sweetest thing it's like she just comes to show me her dress or she comes yeah. to show me how her ribbons her yeah and it just melts my heart
1: yeah I think that's something I think there is this thing in all women who desire to be beautiful obviously and I think that we can pinpoint these things as bad you know makeup being bad or um, different I don't know just different things but honestly all women want to do things that make them beautiful and so if you outlaw one thing usually they do just do the next you know so you say like you can't wear makeup so you tan heavily so that your skin's always glowing. You know what I'm saying? Or like you have to wear your hair a certain way. So we wear louder clothes or you have to wear clothes that are just very drab. And so you braid your hair and get really fancy with that. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like women have this desire to beautify themselves in some way. And I think part of that is a feminine natural desire. It it can slide heavily into vanity, but I don't think it's unhealthy to, um, let our daughter have some of those enjoyments and making herself fancier than other times
0: yeah that's good
1: okay um you mentioned perusing your wife
0: well yeah maybe we should finish with that one (laughs) because
1: real quickly (laughs) okay um this is kind of funny one because i actually think we were joking about this where is it
0: i think somebody wanted to ask yes How do you encourage your husband to pursue you?
1: How do you get your husband to pursue you? And we just had a good laugh because it's so easy to make a typo because they said how to get your husband to peruse you. And that's just fun.
0: (laughs) That's fun to say. It's it's fun to think about. Yeah. (laughs) So thanks for
1: the laugh. Um, I mean, if you're wondering how to get your husband to peruse you, I'm sure you have some good ideas of your own. But um, the pursuing part. Yes. How do you get your husband to pursue you?
0: I don't have a husband. Why are you you asking me? Why are you asking me that question? Well, I
1: just, my brain goes to, how'd you get him to pursue you in the first place? Because he asked you to marry him. Yes. And that's just going back to that root of, I think we want our husbands to pursue us. It goes to that overextension again. Maybe you aren't feeling loved by your husband he's not feeling loved by you. And so you're stuck in this unhealthy cycle that my parents speak to in the, what do they call it? The vicious cycle instead of the delicious cycle. They speak about this in marriage maximizer. And I think that it's, it requires an overextension of ourselves to change that cycle. Mm. And often we want our other the other spouse, or we think we deserve the other spouse to do that first. It's not really fun for either party and it's, technically unfair but that's what marriage is is it's just having a hundred percent responsibility for the relationship and the health of the relationship
0: yeah again just even asking like what's fair what's not fair it's like well you're one you're in a covenantal bond here you know you're committed for life and so do we if that's probably not the right question to ask it's yes. like the, maybe a better question is like, what's the best thing I can do for the marriage, or what's some some act action I can take that is will increase the likelihood of my partner, you know, doing this or my spouse doing this. I hate using the word partner instead of spouse because like so many people yeah. say that. It's just like the, it
1: honestly cheapens
0: it. It does cheapen it. So forgive me anytime I say <laughs> that. I need to get that out of my my system. But anytime, yeah. So treating uh, you asked the question like, what did you do back in the day? At some point, you know, mm-hmm. your spouse was really into you maybe it was pre-marriage maybe it was early on in your marriage but at some point you could be like they were into me you know they 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 were all about what i had going on and what was your attitude then what were you doing then you know were you showing up you know with uh, speaking to men you know like were you showing up with flowers were you making sure your shirt smelled good you know like were you putting on a fragrance were you double checking your hair um I don't know. Like Yeah, there's all those
1: things. There's the attitude. And I get it can be very hard when we aren't feeling emotionally connected to our spouse to kick into a flirtatious attitude or a attitude of telling them how awesome they are or making ourselves appealing to them physically or, you know, going the extra mile in all these ways. But at some point, he thought, she's a catch. I can't lose her. Uh And that was pursuing. There has been one point in our life. I remember we were married for about a year or two. Do you remember I cried and told you I wanted you to bring me flowers? Do you remember I'm that?
0: sorry, I don't remember
1: that. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, is it? That's I don't good. know. It wasn't a stronger moment on my part because I was just so burnt out and so fried and I didn't feel like I had any energy to go through the long haul of making myself attractive so she would want to pursue me. So I just <laughs> told him, I want you to bring me flowers. terrible.
0: I'm sorry. Sorry you had to do that.
1: And then I regretted doing it because he felt so bad. And then he went out and he did bring me flowers. But then we both felt kind of awkward about it because it's like that was thoughtful of him to do it. But when you tell someone to bring you flowers, it just isn't the same thing. So.
0: I mean, it was still probably better than just. But it
1: was a good conversation. Yeah. And so. Maybe there are those times when it's just like, you just are, are sad and, and burnt out and you don't really feel attractive. And maybe you've tried for a couple of days and you don't feel like he notices and you just go to your spouse and be like, hey, I wanna be pursued by you. Like I wanna be attractive, mm-hmm. I wanna be flirtatious and I'm just like feeling like the burned out housewife over here that can't get you excited. Mm. And um, I there you know, sometimes we have to have those conversations that are just awkward and embarrassing and everyone's kind of bummed out, but then over time it can make it better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it I've is never better thought just to have those conversations. Then, yeah. I, you know, has
1: written me notes and put a lot of effort into my love language and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And so over time that romance, that consistent romance has grown. But again, this was like Right after I had our first baby hmm. and the dating season, the honeymoon season was over in those terms of, we were just in a new season of life and we hadn't kicked into the deepening, richening romantic season. We were like, okay, then fatuation's gone, but then we, what's next? Yeah. You know, I think yeah, sometimes I mean, we I, go through seasons like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. You don't, obviously don't like want to bring extra anno- annoyance and extra extra awkwardness into your marriage but at some point you're like wait a second this is lifelong this is a covenant we're in this forever maybe i should bring up this thing yes you know like this is probably worth starting this conversation and and getting it out there seeing kind of how this plays out and um i think you we you can get better at that and and sometimes the quicker you bring it up the better yeah you know just kind of like if you're kind of like you get you know last night was kind of weird this that what was that about like Mm -hmm. something felt off there um
1: yeah if the, you the, can bring it up before you're super emotional about it yeah that's really helpful because if you've been if you are feeling hurt about this for a long period of time the stakes are just a lot h- mm-hmm. higher when you discuss this stuff yes versus like hey i'm just not feeling you know pursued by you if you can be casual about it it's gonna yes. be a lot better for everyone but sometimes things have gone too far so you can't yes like i remember um one time we were at a marriage retreat and I was pregnant with our second and you brought up, you're like, you just don't ever touch me anymore. Mm. Like when we're driving, you don't hold my hands. You don't lean over and rub my back. You just aren't touching me unless we're engaging in, you know, like straight up physical intimacy. That is what we're doing. And I was just like, oh, you're right. And it was stemming from me feeling like a blimp and totally unattractive. And so I wasn't, pursuing Elisha because I felt so awkward being pursued in that season Mm. and um it was uncomfortable to lean over and hug (laughs) him and you know what I'm saying I was just like it didn't sound fun none of it sounded fun but since that moment that's just been a really clear moment in my mind of like well you've said letting him know I love him through through physical touch throughout the day and that's something I guess just real quick to wrap this my point up uh that is something that was a g- good example. I'm so glad he brought that up because that's something for subsequent pregnancies or through seasons when I'm not feeling like it. It's just like, okay, we're going to be married for a long time here. And this is something that makes him feel loved. So it's better. He brought it up then, even though it was a tough night, you know, and I felt bad about it and he felt bad about it and all that, than him not saying anything for years and just being bitter and resentful. Sure.
0: And even on that subject, because ever since that, and that that's crazy because that's like seven years ago, six or seven years ago. Yes, yeah, And since that one conversation even if I lean o- like in church if I lean over I put my arm around you and you're in an uncomfortable stage of pregnancy like you're late in the third trimester uh you have now made it to well first off you always like you know return the affection or you show appreciation for it um but now if you're like in a really uncomfortable seat, you're like, oh, like, I love you so much. I can't like, that really hurts my back when I lean like that. Yeah. And you like, like, like communicate it. Like yes. Yeah. yeah. You'll be like, oh, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then, but you'll be like, but I'd love to hold your hand, you know? Yes. And so, cause I think those were the things that were throwing me off early on in marriage is it's just kind of like trying to snuggle or put my arm in and you're just like a, you know, stiff like, or, and you're in pain. I didn't that. know it, you yeah. know, or you're uncomfortable. Um. So anyways, I appreciate how much now, even when you are uncomfortable or you're in pain, you, you just tell me, you're like, oh, it's not that I don't want to snuggle you. It's just like that, you know, I can't sit like that or whatever. Yeah. yeah,
1: something that's been really helpful for us in marriage in general through these ups and downs of pregnancy and comfortability and stuff like that is becoming more of the pursuer on your terms. Like, we're really big fans of proactivity, you know, in, in potentially sticky situations. So, like, for in-laws, you know, we've talked about this with – you know, If you're having a hard time keeping boundaries, then reaching out to them first so that you don't have to say no to their attempts of reaching out to you. Does that make sense? Am hmm. I, I'm making this too brief because what I'm trying to talk about is the physical intimacy, so forget the in-laws. But for me, in seasons when I'm uncomfortable, realizing like, okay, physical intimacy is a thing in our marriage. If I'm not super into it, then I am going to pursue Elisha at times when it's best for me, instead of letting there just be this dryness there hmm. and this lameness, and then always having it be lame, if that makes sense. Yes. So in the same way, if I'm feeling uncomfortable in a pregnancy, I don't have to necessarily just wait for him to put his arm around me and have it way heavy on my back and say, oh, that's uncomfortable. I can touch him. And rub him and kiss him at times when it is comfortable for me, Yes. you know, and in times when it is enjoyable for me. So you're able to fill up that bank account and let your spouse know that you care about them proactively. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think that what's common for us is to instead just be like, I'm not going to initiate anything. And then I will just respond or deal with it when I have to like as
0: little as possible. Yeah,
1: exactly. Instead of just being proactive. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because yeah. Then it's better for everybody because they feel loved and you aren't having to say no or that's uncomfortable or yeah, things makes like sense. that. I probably described that poorly. No,
0: it's great. I think that makes way more sense now. Like those random days where I get home from work and you like meet me at the door and you kiss me a bunch and you're like, did you like that? Because that's all you're getting for the rest of today. That <laughs> makes more sense. Like, just Have I to ever done proactively. that? Proactively. No, I'm teasing.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know I'm making it sound like a burden, which is totally not how our marriage is, But I am trying to, there have been seasons of that. And I think that I want to encourage women who maybe are in those seasons today or Mm -hmm. have just been in those seasons for long periods of time. Thankfully, you know, we have a very reciprocal enjoyment of each other. Yeah,
0: I I would say so. In my opinion as well. So there you go. (laughs) It's settled.
1: (laughs) I don't think we have to consult anyone else on their opinions.
0: (laughs) Folks, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave it a thumbs up talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.